I am a, a beautiful person. It's just I haven't allowed myself to believe that I do have this impact and I do have this beauty within myself and this uniqueness and this impact on other people. I've been having shame about the crime. I've been having shame about you know, all the things that I've experienced and, and, and feeling guilty for even wanting to be valued or wanting to, to, to have joy, to wanting to have this infection, this love. I, I felt shame for that. This is Theron. He's incarcerated at the Oregon State Penitentiary. I find myself times where I'm smiling and I see something that's happy and I feel like a sudden panic. And that panic is, is like, I feel too good. Theron's like most people in prison. He's from a poor neighborhood where violence is, unfortunately, too common. He saw violence first in his home, where he watched his mom get beat up by some of her boyfriends. He saw violence again when he joined a gang as a youngster. And he saw it yet again when he came to prison, where fights break out over seemingly unimportant things, like who gets to sit at what table. So it's not a huge surprise that Theron became good at violence himself. So good that people started calling him Pitbull. And I always joke, like, you know, you got Pitbull. You know, and that's, that's the street. That's the person that, I, that I've become through the, the means of violence or whatnot. You know what I mean? And, and I think this, this, this Pitbull has somehow suppressed Theron. So, you know, Theron has not been able to surface because he always have to embody, you know, Pitbull. And because this is what people expect in this environment. My reputation is is what I've done, but my character is who I am. So it's, I think, you know, I'm Theron. So like, and, and I'm, I'm learning that Theron is actually a very compassionate person. Theron is describing his situation, but his feelings are not unusual. A lot of us feel shame when we hurt other people. And a lot of us struggle to feel good about ourselves when we screw up. So Theron's story seems to raise some compelling questions, like, what should we feel when we commit a wrong? And when we harm another person, what do we owe them in response? And then, what if we're in a situation like Theron's, where the harms in question are quite significant? What if we really want to atone for wrongs that are considered very serious? How might that be possible? This is Making Amends. I'm Steve Herbert. I was granted access to the Oregon State Penitentiary, and I got to know Theron and many of his peers. In this series, I want to explore how they deal with the past and how they search for a way to atone. We'll examine what motivates them to change. There's always that one thing that just starts you on that roll, that snowball where everything just starts collecting and you start examining everything in your life will delve into the powerful feelings of remorse. Knowing the level of suffering that my mother is going through just made me, to a degree, comprehend the level of pain that the victim's mom is going through. And that, more than anything, just made me realize, what the hell did I do? We'll look for the kindness that you can find underneath a tough guy facade. The society might think we're all hard and tough and everything else, but we're all just men. And we do have compassion. We do care. And we'll wonder how you carry the burden of a debt that you can never fully repay. My victims family forgave me, but I can live the best life in the world, change all the people that I come in contact with, but that still, to me, doesn't tip the scale of justice. 
Although this series focuses on these men, it is also about the rest of us. The United States locks up more people than any society ever in history. As we've done this, we've largely ignored the stories of atonement that many prisoners are trying to live. I invite you to hear some of those stories. Episode 1. If I die tomorrow, what legacy do I have? If you were to use three adjectives to describe yourself, what would those be? Three, huh? Anthony is one of the men I got to know at the Oregon State Penitentiary. I conducted several interviews, and I taught a class focused on how we can atone. Teaching is what I do for a living. I am on the faculty at the University of Washington in Seattle. Resilient, resourceful, and open. Okay. So let's unpack those a little bit. Why, why would you say resilient? Resilient because I've been in this system since I was about eight years old. And so just going through everything I've gone through and then looking at who I've become today, you have to be resilient to the point to where, like, even at different times when I've had contact with families in society, they've always said that, like, they don't know how I've done what I've done as far as become who I've become under the circumstances. If the process of making amends is a journey, then that journey needs a beginning point. So one thing I wanted to learn was what motivated Anthony and others to get started. So you said, I think, resourceful? Yeah. Being that I've been in the system since I was about eight, incarcerated for murder since the age of 15, I've had to learn how to be resourceful in, in discovering who I am and, and maturing and keeping connection with society and not just strictly becoming a product of my environment. Anthony's wish to be something other than a product of his environment seems to be what began his journey toward making amends. From a quite young age, his worldview was shaped by a gang in his Portland neighborhood. He drifted that way after life in his home fell apart, and he was shuffled from one living situation to another. I was probably the youngest person in any group home I was in or foster home. Most of them were littered with gangs, so initially there was a matter of me protecting myself, and sometimes I would get jumped, and so my conclusion from that was joining one of the packs of the kids, at the, you know, which is what I call it at this point, which, you know, joining one of the gangs to get protected, and that's what I did. And what does it mean at that age to join one of those groups? At that age, it's just a matter of saying, okay, I got somebody on my side. All of the kids are splintered up into whatever gangs are in the home, and if you're not in one of them, then you become a victim of all of them. And so even at, you know, nine years old, you understand that <laughs> the best thing I can do is get with somebody. Eventually, his group became the central focus of his life. Now you've built bonds with people. You've built relationships and inside of that cultural dynamic it's so it's it's this is what we do so me and you are friends me and you are brothers and because of that you embrace these other guys that's associated with us and now because of that embracing you have certain actions and you learn a new way of life and those relationships it sounds like were very important to you yes what do you think you got from them uh a sense of belonging a uh, sense of safety, 
a sense of purpose, a common vision. And so those kind of things kind of create in you like a military-type bond. And you felt loved. Absolutely. Yeah, and in a crooked sort of way, it was. Like, I didn't have a doubt that if something happened to me, I can go to them and we was going to get it fixed. If I needed something, the evidence was they gave it to me because they did. For example? A place to stay. When I ran away from them group homes, I was staying with my homeboys. When I needed food, they was giving it to me. I needed a bike, they gave it to me. If I needed a bus pass for transportation, they gave it to me. So that's parenting, in a sense. And what did they expect from you in return? <laughs> Whatever they asked. <laughs> I mean, uh, it started, hold the drugs, be the lookout. As he got older, Anthony started committing more crimes. One time, when he was 15, he faced a really difficult situation. A friend asked Anthony to help out with a robbery that was supposed to be easy. But that's not how it turned out. Even with Anthony pointing a gun at him, the targeted victim wouldn't give up the rims off his car. So Anthony faced a tough choice. He could either run away or he could exercise violence. Neither option was good. Ultimately, I, what, I mean, what choice did I have? Run away and then later on come back to my neighborhood and everybody knows I ran away? Like, no. And what would have happened if, if you had done that? I would have got ostracized. Then I would have been back at square one. You know, and anything I've done, any credit I've earned up until that point, it, it, it all went down the drain. The value of his neighborhood reputation was so great that Anthony took the other option he felt he had. He exercised violence. He shot and killed his victim. Oregon law required that Anthony be treated as an adult in the justice process, even though he was only 15. So he found himself staring at a potential life sentence. He knew he could reduce that sentence if he told the police about his friend. Yet Anthony was so devoted to his gang that he wouldn't violate its rule against snitching. So he wound up with a 25-year-to-life sentence, and he headed to prison. It's the same thing. I come to prison, who gives me shoes? The bloods. Who gives me my hygiene and toothbrushes and toothpastes and water pitchers and cups and all the essential things you need to survive in prison? They did. So it was just an extension of everything we were doing on the streets. And what are they expecting of you? Same thing. Something happened, be there. You know, we're getting a gang riot, make sure you're fighting. When the doors open for y'all, make sure you're there. Yeah. Same thing, just without the guns. Unfortunately for Anthony, punishment for gang fights can include time in solitary confinement. During one of his trips to the hole, he got a letter telling him of the death of an old friend. That friend was killed after his release from prison, another victim of gang-related violence. I kind of start thinking, like, huh? Like, this is somebody that I used to stay at their house, sleep in their bed, wear their clothes, and all that, and I was like, he's dead. And I, that start making me kind of 
reflect on, okay, his life is over. I'm in a messed up situation, but I still have my life. What do I do from here? So that's what got Anthony started on his new journey. It kind of makes you start really thinking about life and death and the reality. Like, because when you're ripping and running out there, you don't think about, oh, I could die tomorrow. And so I start reflecting on, uh, well, if I die tomorrow, what legacy do I have? Like, all I've ever done is bad shit. It start me, made me start looking at my own situation. Like, well, yeah, they gave me some toothpaste and some cups and stuff when I came to prison, but ain't nobody from the gang on the outside did shit for me. And my best friend was the only one who I had contact with that from the outside. When he was on the streets, he would send me stuff and stay in contact, and I could call him, and he was gone. Then I started thinking about the situation on my case. Like, literally, I have the amount of time that I have sitting in here because I wouldn't testify against one of my gang friends. But he got 90 months, and he's been out of prison now. I was like, ah, this shit don't add up. And so I was like, nah. In class one morning, Anthony described how his outlook changed as he reassessed his situation. Now, if I don't have an issue, if, like, a gang situation broke out, I don't care. Like... There's no, I have absolutely no value in that. Do you have a sense of how that value shift occurred? I mean, for me, it was just maturing. I was so young. But now it's more of like, I care more about my own future and my family, what my daughter's going to say to me if I do something stupid, going to the hole over a gang fight. I can't explain that to her. She doesn't understand that. Even back when I used to do it, I try to explain it to my mom. They don't get that. And now it's like I see that aspect of it instead of caring what my peers think. I don't give a damn what they think no more. So seeing it through the eyes of your family. And myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In this way, Anthony's journey toward making amends seems to have helped him learn how to open himself up to new ways to live. As you might recall, open was one of the words that Anthony used to describe himself. Open... That's more of a recent discovery. Uh, like I've been challenged to come to an understanding of different worldviews and people's ideologies and not just judge it straight off the, off the rip. And so I've been learning more now that everybody has a backstory, everybody has a narrative you may not be familiar with on the surface. And so I've been learning more to be open to a person's backstory and narrative. Theron's backstory and narrative are quite a lot like Anthony's. So it's not a big surprise that his journey toward making amends began in a similar way. He also got involved in a Portland street gang when his home life fell apart, mostly because of his mother's drug use and her abusive partners. Theron sometimes got beaten himself when he tried to rescue his mom. That hopelessness, that powerlessness builds the anger. You're watching your mother get beat up, then you getting abused. The kids at school were my size. So I wouldn't take this shit at school. And that's where that was the outlet that I would find to express this, this anger and this powerlessness at home and this, this, this built-up rage. 
I'm not, my shoes might not be better, but I'm, I'm, I can fight better than you. So it was like a, a equal, a equalizer, if you will. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't got the best pants, but I can kick your ass. Theron's ability with violence was useful when he drifted into the gang lifestyle. You know, I got to live up to an expectation that I don't even really understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I was up for it. So what does that mean in terms of behavior? Violence. You got you to gotta be violent. I'm ready to fight anyone for whatever cause. Like, what's up? Let's, let's fight. And then they gave me the nickname Pitbull. The nickname and the lifestyle helped Theron feel like he had a place where he belonged. You know, that's the toxic belief that our cause is the all of all causes. You know, and that's what we did. We, we went and, you know, made people respect what we represented. That's the conditioning. The streets condition us to believe that we have to make this life sacrifice for something that doesn't really advance us individually or collectively. But that's not how you thought about it at the time. No, no, I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted to be respected for sure. I wanted to be valued in the sense that, you know, I'm willing to do whatever, man. You, 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 you validate me. I'm not getting validated at home. Validate me, whatever I'll do. So looking back on that, I mean, how do you, how do you make sense of that? I think it was some of the dumbest shit ever, honestly. I mean, you, you can't come to an understanding of common sense when you can clearly there is no sense in what we do in the streets like that. I mean, what is the sense of shooting this guy because he lived on the other side of an impoverished street that neither one of us own? What is the sense of that? What is the sense of not understanding his socioeconomic struggle? But I hate him because what? But when you grow up and you mature, you start to see like, that is some bullshit. Like Anthony, Theron ended up committing a senseless murder, one he thought was necessary to protect his reputation. Even though he was only 18, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I didn't give a fuck. Once I got my life sentence, I didn't care. Like, that was my mind. I was, I was going to die in prison. I got life without the possibility of parole. How do a kid, how do anyone, for that matter, process that type of information? You know, like, I was just told that I'm so unworthy to enter society that I can never return that I'm going to die behind bars. Like, I, I don't care. Theron's use of violence in prison got him time in solitary confinement. That gave him plenty of time to ask himself some questions. Why are you angry at the system? You shot that man. Why are you angry at your mother? You got yourself locked up. It's not her fault. You know what I mean? So it was these, these interesting conversations with self. Like, who are you really angry at, Theron? Who are you really angry at? You've made this bad. But then it was the, the educational part. Did you? Is it all your fault? You know, and how much blame is, is on your environment? And it's 
just questions and questions and questions. So I think the transition was, you know, come from hatred. Like, I hate the system. I hate the system. You know, I hate everyone. I don't care about anyone. Just me. Fuck everyone out there. No one cares about me. The pity mode. And then it was like, nah, you can't be pity. Why are you pitying yourself? Pity is not going to get you anywhere. The anger is not going to get you anywhere. You're still going to be in prison. Eventually, Thrawn figured out what he wanted most. I want to be free. I want love. <laughs> I got this love movement. I've, I've hated so much that now I just want to experience love. In fact, Thrawn shared this idea with his classmates one morning. You know, like, I'm literally telling the hardened guys, hey, man, I love you. In, in, in public, hey, bro, I love you. I love you. And it was, it was, and like, yeah, I can tell they're, they're all uncomfortable. Like, hey, what are you talking about? Like, what's wrong with that? I mean, you tripping today. No, man, I love you. <laughs> I really want to let you know I love you. Oh, man, get, get away from that bullshit. <laughs> but it's something that needs to be done. I think that's, I'm, what I'm doing is allowing myself to be vulnerable because I have a reputation of violence. But I'm really interested in trying to be vulnerable in the sense of I want to feel this love. I want to be loved. And I want to express that love, but I'm also a leader, so I'm going to lead by example. One of Theron's classmates suggests that he take it one step further. If you just walk up and give somebody a hug, Stop. that's vulnerability. Well, you got to take the steps, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, we talk about violence and love. You start with the embrace, you get them comfortable with being loved. Right. Then you, st- you know, it's a phase, but it's phases to you know. Theron's interest in love is deeply connected to the sort of person he now understands himself to be. I figure something about myself. I like helping people out. Like, that's what makes me happy. Like, I feel really good helping people out, being a service to other people. Like, I don't know how to be selfish. People always joke. It's like, Pat, Theron, you don't know how to be selfish. I'm like, I don't. Like, I think of people around me, wherever I'm at. But still he wonders whether he deserves to feel good about himself. When you experience sadness and pain, rejection, abandonment, and all the negative feelings or loneliness, you get accustomed to these things. So when you get the positive feelings, it's like, I think the panic for me is a fear of, A, am I supposed to have this feeling? And the fear of, when would this happen again? But you like it. <laughs> it feels good. It's like, wow, this is cool, but damn, how long would I have it? <laughs> Regardless of the difficulties that he faces, Theron encourages himself and others to keep pressing on. If we have the momentum, we can't just say, you know, I can just give up. And I think that was a part of our past mentality when we did slip up. You know, the fear of, of going to the bottom, we just self-destruct. But now it's like, no, man, I fucked up. I made a mistake. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to try. I'm going to get back in the fight. I'm going to get back in the arena. Because it's what I really want. Even, even though that I've done this and or done that, it's what I really want. Like, I've been numb. I've, like, dis- emotionally detached myself. And I want to feel. Like, I want to feel that empathy. I want to be able to express the emotions that I feel, identify these emotions. And I can't do it if I'm still stuck in the same mentality. So it seems like it was this desire to no longer be stuck in the same mentality that got both Anthony and Theron started on the path toward making amends. Each of them worked to shed old habits and to acquire some new ones. 
Each of them was feeling trapped and in need of a new focus. Anthony found some new values, ones he could defend to his family. And Theron began discovering his truer self, a compassionate counterpart to Pitbull. So that's how they got started on the path toward atonement. For others I got to know, a consideration of their victims was the driving force in their new journeys. You really understand exactly what it is that you caused the pain, the hurt, taking his future and his dreams and his hopes. I mean, I have no idea the plans that his mom and dad had for him, but I took those away. And the mother read out of a statement that she prepared, and uh, there I am sitting expecting to be told whatever monster I am and how much hurt I have caused to that family. But what happened was something that I would never have imagined. How victims help trigger the wish to atone. That's next time on Making Amends. Making Amends is written and produced by me, Steve Herbert. Our production crew includes Jesse Beckett Herbert, Tyler Bonilla, Emma Embleton, and Daniel Gunther. Our website and marketing crew includes Nadra Fredge, Kate Borelli, and Liz Gardner. Music by Jesse Beckett Herbert and Tony Lefebvre. Our theme song was recorded at the Oregon State Penitentiary with Austin Clark, Chad Hamlin, and Mitch Lewis. Recording assistance at the penitentiary provided by Chad Hamlin. Learn more at our website, makingamendspodcast.com. Please spread the word about this podcast and provide us a rating and a review. See you next time.